0: Hey, what's up everybody? You have reached the I'm Dealing With Broadcast. I'm Sean, your host, and we'll be taking you through plenty of taboo topics that men deal with on a daily basis. We're going to go through, listen, and deal with all these things together. I know I've got to heal, and I'm sure you have to heal too, or the man in your life needs to heal. Stay tuned. Fasten your seatbelt. Hold on. Here we go. You have reached I'm dealing with. I'm your host, Sean. In our last podcast, The Build, we discuss building people. Very important in our lives that we begin to build people. Doesn't matter if it's your family, your wife, your husband, your children. Mother and father, maybe, maybe it's even your coworkers. It's very imperative that we build people. As you know, they are our successors. They are our successors. Their job is to sit on our shoulders and go further, see further, have more, do more, give more. But if we fail to build them, we cannot complain. All right, so if you haven't heard that podcast, go back and listen to that episode of the build and leave some type of review can be reached at i'm dealing with at gmail.com okay so in this episode we believe it or not are going to do something a little different and that once again our goal is always to reach men that is what we're trying to do is reach men but in this category, we could, in fact, talk to all kinds of people. It doesn't really matter if you're man, woman, boy, girl, child. It doesn't matter. And in this topic, we're dealing with faith in adversity. Faith in adversity. And if you go back and think about everything that we are currently going through right now, we all tend to go through a time in our lives where we lose our faith, whether it's faith in man, faith in your boss, faith in your mom, faith in your dad, faith in your grandparents, maybe faith in your job, faith in your finances, faith in your bank account. Sometimes it's faith in your savings, faith in your deposits, faith in the some of your benefit packages, your health, Um, social security, we know that's a big, (laughs) yeah, good luck with that one, man. But we, we tend to lose faith in a lot of different things. And if you look at where we are in our economy, we look where we are in this pandemic and what's going on. Many people across the United States, across the world and and throughout the different countries, many people are losing faith or should I say their faith is shaky. Okay, so we're on very shaky grounds. So if you would just indulge me, now I uh, again, my goal is always to reach to to uh, reach out to the humanity side of man, and what I mean by man, even though the focus is on men, man meaning the humanity, man, you know, the woo man, the man. Okay, so uh, the goal is to reach out to your humanity, not necessarily your spirit man. That's not the focus, is being the so called just the spirit man. But today we're also going to talk to your spirit man, okay? Your spirit man, not just your humanity, but your spirit man. So if you indulge me, I do, you know, again, uh, I've told you my background. Um, I am a Christian, it's just what it is, it's never going to change so if you just indulge me and I hope and uh, you I believe you'll get something out of this so just indulge me just stay tuned because uh, I'll be talking to your spirit man and your natural man let's put it that way your natural man and your spiritual man okay so I do have a couple of scriptures that I'm going to go through real quick um, and it starts in one it starts in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 and again this is dealing with faith in adversity because we're going through adverse conditions, a lot of adverse conditions right now, man. I've heard uh, plenty of people that are being laid off, losing jobs. Um, It's it's ridiculous. They're trying to. uh, I know some people haven't received their stimulus checks, but even still, that's not going to be enough. We do know that. They're um, trying to push through a $2,000 a month plan that'll last for roughly till either the pandemic is over with or up to a year maximum. They're trying to launch that. There's also another proposal that they're trying to launch, which is uh, where renters are not being penalized if they don't pay rent and also mortgagees, those that, that hold a mortgage. So if you're a homeowner and you have a mortgage um, that you won't get penalized for not paying your mortgage. And this is dealing with credit, being evicted, all that kind of stuff for both a renter and homeowner. The catch is for the homeowner that if you have a other properties, you have to choose um, which is your primary residence. And only that particular one that you choose is uh, relieved from any type of penalties. So that's the caveat there. So it's gonna be interesting how this all plays out. So there's a a lot of adverse conditions going on right now that appeal to both those that are renting, those that are homeowners, those that don't have a job. And it's weird because even if, um, let's just say, If they chose one proposal over the other, if you're getting a $2,000 a month relief fund, yeah, you're not paying your rent or whatever the case may be, but you still gotta make sure the lights are on, the gas is on, you know. Uh, And so far, I haven't heard anything about car payments. There's no relief there yet. So, and if they are relieving, they're just throwing throwing all the interest and stuff on the back end of your loan. So yeah, so it's kind of weird. So if you get the 2,000, if that proposal goes through, then what happens is you're just, um, trying to live. I mean, you're still going to the grocery shopping, and paying your rent, paying your insurance and all these different things, but then what, you know, so will that be enough? You know? Um, yeah. So, and then if you, if they go for the proposal of the housing slash rental uh, forgiveness, okay, so now, Um, you're not paying rent but then your other bill's still come in. but then you're not getting any money so it's like how's that gonna work so again there's a lot of adversity there's a lot of um, um, things to go through Um, there is also looking at the back end of you know if they do if they do go through any one of those processes or both of them how does that affect the economy on the back end so you know with the debt and You know, so there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot to talk about just in that alone. Um, So if you, so, and it's affecting a lot of different people, you know, some that had to have investments, some that, you know, have investments in housing, housing, um, loan stocks, whatever that is. So it affects everyone from all walks of life, regardless where they are, whether come from a poor, middle class, rich, whatever that is, it's affecting everybody. Okay. So there's no. Big eyes, little use in any of this uh, going on right now. So but anyway, in the book of Hebrews, um, as far as dealing with adversity, uh, chapter 11, verse verse one. Again, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Again, now faith is the substance. We know the substance of things hoped for. That means faith is faith is it's not faith was faith is faith means believing in something that you can't put your hands on okay so many of us uh we it's easy for us to believe something when we know we can put our hands on it you know um we know we believe that our car is going to start you know we believe that the check's going to come through we believe the such and such we I mean it's something that we can put our hands on we believe it but what happens when you put you're putting your faith in something that you can't see. You're putting your f- faith in something that you can't put your hands on. OK, so faith is the substance of things hoped for. You're, you're hoping for it. You're hoping for it. See, faith and hope works hand in hand together. You can't have faith, but then not expect something to happen. Okay, so it says now faith is a substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen, meaning you haven't seen the evidence of it yet. See, it's one thing for me to believe. I've got four hundred dollars in a bank account, but I already checked the bank account. No, it's there. That ain't faith. (laughs) Okay, so faith is expecting something to happen, though it has not happened yet. OK, expecting something to happen, knowing it has not happened yet. So fa- now faith is a substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. And if you jump down to verse six, it says, but without faith is impossible to please him. We know who him is, who him is. God it is in, without faith. It is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That means that means that he exists. That um, he was not created. There was no pow, big bang, boom, pow, in and in a cell, and all this kind of stuff. When we came. We must believe that he is, he was, and before something is, he was before that. That's that's faith. Faith is believing something that you don't have facts on, that you don't have such and such on. Faith is believing and having expectation. Though it hasn't happened yet. okay, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, that he is a rewarder that diligently seek him. I can't count how many times where my faith had been shaken. My faith in God had been shaken. My faith in where I was had been shaken. Sometimes my faith in God, uh, my faith in my job had been faking, shaken. My faith in my parents had been shaken. My faith in my wife had been shaken. Faith in children. Are, and things will cause your faith to be shaken. And right now we're living in a world where people are shaking in their boots because they don't know where their help comes from. See, I know where my help comes from. Many people serve the gift and I serve the giver of the gift. So it's easy. So let's just say, let me just present a scenario. If I have access, and I just want to speak to your humanity now, your humanity, let me speak to your natural man. If I have the ability and the access To give you, and again, you're natural, to give you a job, to give you any home you want, to give you any house you want, to give you um, whatever that is. Again, we're just dealing with the the natural because I just want you to understand where I'm going with this. If I had the capacity, just me. And you said, Sean, I I need. This car or I need this house or I need this job and I make it happen. Would you thank me for that, for that it happened or would you get the job or the house, get the car and all of a sudden, once you get those things, you don't even know me anymore. And I hate to say it, but that's the way society, those especially those who have been believers or have believed in the past or currently shaken in their belief in God have done him now. Because the things have been shaken so much, we have gotten away from saying thank you for what you've done Thank you for where I've been. Thank you for what you're going to do in my life, though. I know you haven't done it yet. So them that he it cometh to God must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you must diligently thank him. You must diligently pray. You must diligently worship diligent. That doesn't mean that you only do it in the good times. That means you also do it in the bad. But see, sometimes some people will only thank him in the good times when, after their their bills are met, after they've received the paycheck, after they've got the car that they want, after their career is um no, is lit, after their Instagram blew up and got a hundred and some odd thousand million some odd followers, that's when they want to thank him. But you thank him through the process. You thank him before the process starts. You thank him while you're in it. And then you thank him and worship him when it's when it's over with, because we know it's not over. Okay, so there's a process to faith. We go from faith to faith and glory to glory. We where you are now is not where you're going to end up. Our faith has seasons that we go through. You know, I know there's a scripture that talks about the Lord. I believe that help thou my unbelief. Sometimes we can believe for where we are. But then when we get to a different area in our life, we are like, whoo, I'm a little shaky in this area. And there's nothing wrong with that. But first we must at least admit and raise the white flag, throw our hands up and say, You know, Lord, I believe in my last area, but this area you're gonna have to help me with. But the goal is to let him know that I need your help. Because we all need help. We all need help. Okay, so the next the question is, how do you characterize faith? How would you characterize it in your own personal life? How would you characterize not just faith, but maybe your faith? Now, understand, I am speaking from a Christian background. Maybe you have a different background. But the question is, how would you characterize your faith? What causes you to shake? What causes you to be comfortable? Is it um, comfortability in... Um, finances causes you to be good. Is it comfortability in hey my bills are met makes me good? Is it comfortability in knowing that my health is good? How would you characterize your faith? Now, what is it about your faith that would call? What is it that would cause your faith to shake? The lack of finances. The lack of health the lack of money, the lack of joblessness, maybe homelessness, maybe about to lose a home or maybe you've lost several properties. Maybe you've had your car repossessed. Maybe you've gone through a bad marriage, gone through a divorce, gone through a separation, or maybe you had to bury your loved one. What would cause your faith to get a little shaky? How would you characterize your faith? Now in the spirit, man, how would you characterize your your faith? I'm a Christian but you know I'm a little shaky in this area at least be honest and that's where where change can happen when we are truly honest with where we are when we are truly transparent when we can say hey God I believe you here but you won't help my unbelief over there how would you characterize your faith Okay, let's move on. We're going to go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. So, again, uh, we're actually already in 12, but we're going to jump down to 14 and 15. It says, follow peace with all men. (laughs) man, we can stop right there. And I think a lot of times this messes up a lot of people because we want to do things the way we want to do them, how we want to do them. And based upon how we were brought up, based upon our family dynamic, based upon what we were taught, whether um, um, whether it's about um, social, economical diversity, whatever that is. And we like to separate and we do things because, you know, hey, I am in a social a different social class than you are. And we find out that we will do business or talk to people sometimes any old kind of way. And then we expect great things to happen. And it says, follow peace with all men. Follow it, follow it. That means pursue it, go after it, follow peace. It didn't say, let peace follow you. You follow peace with all men. That means you're supposed to, that means you have a requirement on your life to follow peace with people, treating them right. If they say hello, say hello back and smile. Even to the point of when you speak and say, hello, how are you doing this morning? And they say nothing at all. You still have a responsibility. Follow peace. It's very important that we follow peace because we're living in a world that don't believe in peace. We're living in a world that say I can do however I want. We're living in a world that don't matter. They don't care. But it starts with you, young man, old man. Senior man, it starts with you. How you run your house. And I'm talking to the men right now. It starts with you. Bible says to raise up a child the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart from it. So it starts with you, head of house home. It starts with you. How you talking to that loved one? How you treating that boy? How you treating that child? How you treat your parents? It starts with you. You're supposed to be the example you're whether it's at the in the home or in the job, you're supposed to be the example. It doesn't matter whether you're the worker, the supervisor, the manager, the CEO or the owner. It doesn't matter. It starts with you. Follow peace. With all men. And then it goes on to say and holiness now. What is holy? What is Holy. Who? Let us tell you what. Let's talk about who was holy. Mm-hmm. Who was holy? We know Jesus Christ was holy. That's a different. That's a. That's a message in itself. We know that He was holy. So we follow peace with all men and holiness. That means leaving yourself blameless. Though we're not perfect, but. We're following this thing. We're practicing this thing. We're walking this thing out. We're going to say some things that we're going to have to ask for forgiveness on. We're going to have to repent on. We're going to do some things that we have to repent on. Not that we purposely do it. We don't say, well, today, well, I'm going to the club tonight and then I ask forgiveness after it's over. That's not what we're talking about here. Leaving yourself blameless before the Lord. Holy the things we do we set examples we set the atmosphere we are the thermostat not the thermometer the thermostat sets the atmosphere in the home the thermostat sets the atmosphere at work the thermostat sets the atmosphere when you're in the grocery store or shopping whatever that is or around your family you set the atmosphere when you walk in the door. But if you react to the atmosphere, that means you are no longer the thermostat. You become the thermometer. That means the atmosphere has changed you and it tells you what you how you should respond because you have no control over your own life. Which means God has no control over your life because you are a thermostat. Or excuse me, a thermo, a thermometer. A thermostat, you set it. A thermometer, you're set. You get set by everything else. Just holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So we can follow peace, but we need holiness in there. We got to have that holiness. Because if we don't have those two things, our end result is hopeless. 15, looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Now, I'm going to read this because, again, I usually do some things in the King James, but I know everybody reads a bunch of different versions of the Bible and I do, too. Okay, so. So it says, see to so in verse 15, I'm I'm reading out NIV because I think this will break it down to a point uh, without going crazy. So it says, see to it that no one fails or falls, excuse me, short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. No bitter root. Do you know bitterness destroys people? Bitterness, bitterness. And it says, see to it in the very beginning, it says, see to it. No one fall short of great fault. No one falls short of the grace of God. No one see to it. Wait, see to it that. So you mean, it's my responsibility to also make sure um, Jonathan and George and Paul. That I see them every day that. I'm supposed to be such an example to, to them that I'm supposed to make sure they don't fall short of God's grace. So there's a requirement of me too. So for those of you to listen out there, there is requirement on your life when you run into certain people to make sure that you're such an example that they know that they won't fall short of God's grace. Hmm. See, because many times what we usually do is we tell them where to go and how to get there and then tell them what the word says. And then we try to condemn them to condemnation when in actuality that is not our job. Our job is to live and walk and teach and love. And then we let the rest of it work itself out. We're supposed to let God be God. We're not gods. We don't tell anybody where to go and how to get there. That's because we trying to get there ourselves. See, we tend to forget where we came from. See, many of us who are saying that we are Christians and everybody else is not and they're not going to make it. Many of us just got off the pole last night. Many of us were just saved from drinking, from drugs and alcoholism and and uh Um, All the other different things and lustful acts. Many of us just got clean from that and we tend to forget. Where we came from. That's why another scripture says and such were some of you and I hate to say it, but some are some of you. Some haven't changed. Some live one way on Sunday, but then they're hell all week long. And you know who they are. The goal is to love people. We are called to love them. We're called to live before them. We are supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. We're supposed to live with them, love them, regardless of their background, color, creed, so- social, economical differences. It doesn't matter whether gay, straight. It de- we're called to love. Period. End of discussion. Call to love. And when the door is open for us, we are to walk in and plant a seed. Not a seed of discord. Not a seed of bitterness. Not a seed of hatred. Not a seed of, well, you don't you ain't living right. So I can't talk to you. That's not what this is. Love don't do all that. Doesn't matter if you're married, divorced, separated. It doesn't matter. Our job is called to love them. And if you can't love people for where they are, then you need to question your destination. Hmm. I'm just gonna stop right there. Let's just keep it pushing. So it goes on to say that uh, see to what no falls short of grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up. To cause trouble. So that means no bitter root. To spring up and cause trouble. That means. Sometimes it's not where you are. That causes trouble. Sometimes it's things from our past. And that was the whole thing. Of me even uh, launching this podcast. Because many of us. Are trying to work on our future. But we got a whole lot of stuff. In our past that's holding us back. We're mad at this girl for. Dogamy. We're mad at this man for walking out. We're mad at the parent for turning their back on it. We're mad at the children for doing this. We're mad at the job for that. We're mad at the money for this. We're mad at God because now I've got cancer. We're mad at such and such. And how can we move forward when there is so much bitterness or we have bitterness toward a family member? Bitter. If we remove bitter and change that I to an E, we get better. And we can't get better till we get remove bitter. Bitter and better does not go hand in hand. They can't walk in the same uh, country. They can't, they didn't come down the same street. You can't ride in the same car. Oil and water inside the engine don't mix. You're either going to be bitter or you're going to be better. So let not bitter, bitter root grow up and cause trouble and defile many because it happens. Because. We're so busy looking for an explanation of why or why did she do this or how did that happen? And we're bitter for why did I get fired? Why did I uh, lose the job? Why did I get kicked out the house? Why did I lose the house? Why did the car get repossessed? Why did are we in this pandemic? How come, why did I end up with the coronavirus and all this? We ha- end up with all these different and we become bitter when we know God is better. We're supposed to look to God who is the author and finisher of our faith. The author, that means he's the one who wrote it. He's the one who put it together, but he's also the finisher. He's the one who closes out the book, too. So if he's the author and the finisher. That means everything in between belongs to him. Yeah, we're going to go through some stuff. I mean, he did. Jesus Christ went through a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot stuff more, uh, a lot more worse than what we've gone through. So if he can be crucified, if he can be spit on, if he can be purged, if he can be this, that and the other, why not you? Why not me? Why not us? We are not so holier than now that we are absolute and obsolete and evicted from pain. We cannot be evicted from pain. And suffering you know many of us we have an issue with long suffering or we have an issue with patience so that's when long suffering comes into play we suffer long because we're not willing to deal with what we're going through so until we can prove and we accept and know how to be thankful and have a worship attitude while going through it. We stay in predicaments for a long time. Look at the children of Israel when they're in the, the wilderness 40 days, 40 nights. Because of murmuring and complaining and murmuring and complaining will keep us in a place far too long. When we probably could have been in there one day, we kind of could have been there one week, one month, one year. But but because we murmur and complain and forgot where our help came from, we forgot we were getting manna. We forgot when we were getting quail. We forgot that we were getting paid and and, uh, uh, fed almost every day, every night. But we're going to murmur and complain and say, I wish we would have been back in slavery. That's why long suffering comes in. Because we don't have what is called an attitude of gratitude. Romans 6 verse 1 through 16. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse 2, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized unto Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of God the Father. Even so, we are should also walk in the newness of life. Many of the things that we complain about. Many of the things that hurt us, many of the things that discourage us are just things. Man, things. I know health is important. I know your children are important. I know jobs are important because you've got to work to make money, to take care of the roof got to have the job to have your insurance to make sure your health is taken care of and you have the proper medical attention. Your job is important because there is a car payment slash insurance payment that is due every month. The Lights have to be on, uh, groceries have to be in the pantry. We understand all that is important. But the Bible says this, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Your soul is the most important thing. You staying encouraged is the most important thing because you can be just as discouraged and angry and bitter and hopeless and then trying to do all the proper things. But without having the right attitude, without having... God pushing you, God in front of you, God around you, everything we do will fail. Yeah, but I have a college degree. Guess what? It's not about your college degree. I have a PhD. I have a master's. I have this. I have investments. I've got so many properties. I'm a billionaire. I'm this, that, and the other. That's great. You can have all that. And at the end of your life, you have no hope. No hope. Many people focus on their life here, but refuse to think about their life after this is over. There's nothing wrong with having a nice car. Nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with having a nice house. There's nothing wrong with whatnot. There's nothing wrong with having the nice label clothes and the nice red bottom shoes. And there's nothing wrong with having the upper echelon of Nikes and different things. Um, there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. There's nothing wrong with living next door to the Joneses. Nothing wrong with it at all. But when we put things before God, that's when we run into obstacles. We run into obstacles. Let's drop down to verse six, verse five, excuse me. For if we pl- have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his re- resurrection. Resurrection. Verse six, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of the sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Which is your flesh, which is, hey, I'm a lustful man. Hey, I want this and I just got to have it. Hey, I can't put this down. And hey, um, I've got a gambling problem. I have got an addiction problem. I've got a lustful problem. I have a uh, fornication problem. I have a such and such problem. And you know what? we all have problems but when we bring our problems to him we must believe that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him we have to bring our problems to him but you have to understand when you lay them before him that don't mean you lay them before Him, but then right when you leave his presence you pick them up and take them with you That's that's not what that is The goal is to leave them before him and let him work them out through you. Sometimes he'll bring people in your life to stand beside you, to work with you, to help and walk it out. But you have to be willing. You have to be a partner in order for it to be worked out. You have to be a participant. Because if you're not a willing partner and you are the type of person who wants to take matters into their own hands, I'm here to let you know when you take matters into your own hands, um, you might not like what the results turn out to be. Sin is sin. There is no big eyes and little use. I know people make it out to be. Even church people say this one's greater than that. Sin is sin. It's amazing how we will focus on one thing and then let other things. Hmm. But if you were to look in your own families and I'm talking to everybody that's under the sound of my voice right now. If you were to look in your own families, there is all kinds of things going on in your families throughout the ages and the dawn of time. No one's exempt from sin. There's only one that has. Mm-hmm. And he's the only one that can save you. He's the one that gave up his life for you. He's the one who knows what you're going through because he was tempted too. Don't just throw in the towel. Don't just give up, give out and give in. Life is not over. Stand by. hey thank you for standing by and listening to this podcast if you're getting valuable um, ideas or thought-provoking ideas dealing with this type of content please think about possibly being a sponsor and helping us move forward we are trying to give you the best type of content provided on this platform men we're catering to you take care thank you don't forget to subscribe to us we can also be reached at i am dealing with or i am dealing with at gmail.com if you have any ideas or you wanted to subscribe or rate us we can be reached at i am dealing with at gmail.com once again we thank you okay and we are back okay um, I pray that you're getting good value from what you're listening to right now. Um, we're going to dive right into the next portion of this. It says uh, what adversities causes us not to completely yield or die to him. That means yield or die to Christ. That means not physically kill yourself. That's not what it means. It means mortify or bring down or deny your flesh, but yet you still yield to Christ. That means delight, deny your own gratifications. That means what is causing you to not deny your gratifications and yield to him. I mean, what is the deal? And, you know, you know, it's tough because, um, you know, this is the one time that I would, that I'll say that I would do this port, this type of, um, uh, talking with you real quick. Um, not sure if we're going to do any more of this through the podcast. It'll probably be here and there, but uh, that's not the focus, the focus of me. I want to talk to your natural man again. Um, because many people, here's what I understand, here's what I know for a fact. Many people feel when it comes to uh, religious customs, and what I mean by that religious customs is because out of religiosity, out of people's teaching, their background and what they've been taught through mass Catholicism, through uh, Pentecostal, through Baptist church, church, God in Christ. And so many different denominations because of the teach the teaching, even if it's uh, dealing with Islamic is because they have been hurt by the teaching they've been hurt or ridiculed because people have come to them and tell them everything that they're not. And we forget to tell them what they are. See, we will tell them that you're not God's child because you live like this. You're not such and such. And you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not. You're not. And then we may tell them what they are. They are. And it's always our negative We're giving them a negative. We're not giving them anything positive. So many times people fail or don't want to listen to um, um, Christian or religious teaching because through the years or through their experience now that it's been a negative connotation. They've only have uh, negative experiences, which is why I wanted to talk to your humanity, your natural man. But I also want you to understand where my background is. Yes, I am a Christian. I am a very devout Christian person, but I have experiences now. I'm not one that's going to tell you that I've never done this and I've been so righteous. I've been, you know what? You know how they say rules were made to be broken. I raised my hand. Matter of fact, I'm talking to you right now and I got my hand raised. I broke just about every rule that was made. But in the midst of all that that doesn't stop me from being God's child. And anyone who tells you that you can't break rules and be God's child, they're a lie. I'm going to say that one more time. Anybody that tells you that you cannot break rules and then still be God's child, that you can break rules and still be God's child is a lie. If they say you can't be that. They're a lie. OK, you can you can break rules and still be God's child. The goal is not to purposefully break the rules. The goal is if 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 you break the rules, you have an advocate now. You have someone that can be your goal between where you can ask for forgiveness. Lord, I messed up in this area. As I said before, it's not about, hey, I'm going to go do this thing. Then after it's over, then I'm asked. That's not what this that's that's premeditated. It means you, you, you're planning. To do uh, some dirt, OK, and that's not what this is. And the reason why I'm talking to you, because and uh, because, like I said, I, I broke I broke rules. I broke regulations. I um, I wasn't the most devout person and still going through issues, still going through stuff. And every day, all of us in life are going to go through things. It's just that some of us will tell the truth. Some of us will be transparent. Some of us will let you know how, when, what, why caused us to do what we did and ask for forgiveness for. it. But some other people will look back only on what you did and hold you accountable as if they are God. I'm not that dude, I'm not the guy. My job is to love and through love because I've been where you are. I have lost homes. I have been through divorce. I have had a child out of wedlock. So let's just talk about those three things right there. That's enough in itself You be like, oh my God, really? Yes, yes, yes. And you've heard it from me, yes. In the year of 2007, 2008, of that housing crisis, I lost both of my homes. I sure did, lost both of them. We thought we were doing well. Uh, right around, was it 2005? Moved out of our smaller home, bought a bigger home, uh, almost 4,000 square feet, and then we rented it out and use our smaller home as an investment property and we moved to the bigger home but when that housing crunch happened we left the bigger went back to the smaller and we let the big one go because of what it was and then we still could not hold on to even to the smaller one yep my face was really shaking i was very upset and i was angry and truth be told i blamed god i did i did but God had to bring some things to my remembrance too And and one of those things was Remember when you had that feeling Not to do it And just to stay where you are <laughs> Remember when you had that feeling That was me trying to get your attention But you chose the bigger Because you thought bigger was better we're going to stop right there because uh, that's a, we can talk about that all day. And Too many people right now in life think the bigger is better. I need the bigger car, the better car, the such and such, the such, 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 such. And we get ourselves up a creek without a paddle. And then we blame everybody else for the decision that we made. OK, so, yeah, I've been there. Back in 1995, I did have a child out of wedlock. I already kind of spoke about that in one of my earlier podcasts. Yeah, that was me. I, I went through that. And back in 2016, went through a divorce because I decided to choose and walk out on something because I was upset, angry, mad at God and mad at the and mad at the person. Because I was so worried about happiness. Yeah. So whatever it is that you're going through right now. Don't feel like you're alone. We've all had our faith shaken at one time or another and sometime at multiple times in our life. So what adversities cause us not to completely yield? What, what adversities? Only you can ask that. Only you can answer that question. If you think over your life and some of the things that you've gone through, the things that you've dealt with um, in society in your home in your family structure what adversities have you come up against that could cause you not to yield what causes you to just um, you know go wow I don't I don't know why I did what I did I don't know why I'm still where I'm at I mean what what is it that causes you to think like that what holds you back From moving forward Sometimes it's stuff Sometimes it's the lavish lifestyle Sometimes as Martin would say We want to run with the big dogs And We find ourselves You know Not where we should be Or We want to soar with the eagles But yet and still We want to squawk around with the turkeys We can't do both. Eagles don't hang with turkeys. I have yet to see one eagle hang out with a turkey and have lunch. Unless the turkey is the eagle's lunch. We have to um, make sure that we're really taking a a truthful self-examination on our own life. Not on the guy across the street. Not the guy on your job, not the CEO, not even the guy at the car wash, but self, a self-examination. When was the last time you looked in the mirror and said, you know what, I don't like what I see and you, and you got to do better. When was the last time you've done that, really um, taken that self-examination and just say, hey, I'm not all I can be or I've done it my way long enough. It's time for me to turn my life over to the God that can do something better with my life. Because I've tried it my way. I've tried to get out of alcoholism, I've tried to get out of fornication. I've tried to get out of lustfulness. I've tried to get out of pride. I've tried to get out of hate. I've tried to get out of this that and the other and and I me mean by myself, I can't do it. Maybe it's jealousy. I don't know. But one of the things, is there's a lot of stuff that can keep us where we are. There's a lot of things that keep us um, to stay shaky in our faith. And it's only until we realize where we are and be honest, truthful, transparent, first with ourselves. And Say, you know what? I know before people. I'm balling out of control, but privately, I suck. I'm sorry I got to put it like what, that way, but let's just this. This is kind of my truth. This is what sometimes I have to do. Is say you know what, I'm good. I, I, I'm good. But you know, that door closes, and all of a sudden, you know what, and you ain't good. And we have to do that. We have to be honest and truthful with ourselves. so in the book of hebrews chapter 2 book of hebrews chapter 2 let's go there real quick oh the book of hebrews chapter 2 and we're going to start off at verse 1 through 3 so i'm going to first read it um out of king james because that's how i have It's structured and written, but then I'm gonna open it up a little bit, okay? So verse one says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest any time we should let them slip. Okay, that's out of the King James. I'm opening this up in the message. It says, It's crucial that we keep a firm grip on what we have heard so that we don't drift off. So anything that you've heard, keep a firm grip on it. It means hold on to it, stay encouraged, stay rooted, stay planted, because if you don't, you'll drift. It's like a boat that pulled up anchor all by itself or a boat that you expected to stay dock but you never dropped the anchor. I don't want you to drift. And it it goes on to say, if the old message delivered by the angels was valid and nobody got away with anything, do you think we can risk neglecting this message? It's very important that we understand that we need to hold on to good, sound teaching. Good, sound teaching. This teaching here is not saying that somebody's a dirtbag or you're living foul or that's not what this is. This is saying or asking what is keeping you or what could keep you from being sturdy in your faith. What is it? Only you can answer that question. I'm just here trying to give you the tools. To move forward in your decision, the tools to move forward in pro- not prosperity, but to prosper in every area of your life. And that one tool is God has to be first. Okay, verse three says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How do we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which first began to the spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard it? How shall we, how shall we escape? How are we to move on and just go, hey, I'm just moving on with my life. And but yet and still, I forget about Christ who gave himself for us, who died for us, who proved to us, who proved to us that we can live in the world and not be of the world. How shall we escape if we neglect what he had done? How can we do and accomplish so much if we neglect what he's done, what he went through? It's imperative for you to do that self-examination. And it's not about I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that uh, what you're currently doing is wrong. But what can I add? What can we add to what you've got going on? Maybe you're doing everything based upon what you do know. Well, I'm not here to take away from what you do. know. I'm here to enhance and put something on top of what you have. Because I do know there are a lot of great people out here in the world. And what I mean by great, it's not I'm not talking about status. I'm talking about great in their values, great in how they love people. Great in how they build people. Great in how they teach people. Great in how they structure and things of that sort. That's what I'm talking about. Great. I'm not talking about status. That's not what I'm saying. But with that greatness I know the one that's greater than the greatness. The greater. The greater one. And if I can add the greater one on top of what you already are doing, that is positive. You can only go further with the greater one than you can without them. That's all I'm trying to say. It's like me saying, um, "Hmm, I, I want to now want to put it in your natural and so where you can understand it." So many people, um, for those of you I'm not sure uh what the age categories are. For so for those that are older, I just want you to go back a few years. Remember when the, the Hyundai XL came out? You know, and it was it was a terrible car. The the original, the first Hyundai XL. It was a it was a terrible car. It jacked up Hyundai's um label, it jacked up their brand, it didn't give them anything of value for them to really stand on other than the fact it was a very inexpensive car. So imagine now all of you that are listening that remember the hyundai XL that this is your car right now. Okay? So for the only this is only for those that understand what that was. For those of you that don't know what that is, then for the you I'm going to present to you hmm the Chrysler PT Cruiser just about everybody knows what a PT Cruiser is as well so for the older folk that remember the Honda original Honda XL you that's your car for the newer people that know what the, the Chrysler PT Cruiser is that's your car so they're kind of comparable in cars you know not one better than the other they're just to me there but about the same par and for those of you listening probably agree with me okay so you're doing well. What I mean by, it, this is your transportation vehicle. You're either in the Hyundai Excel or you're in the Chrysler PT Cruiser. But then somebody comes alongside and says, "You know what? For those of you in the Excel, the Hyundai, I'm going to add to you a an Audi. Here's your Audi car. For those of you that are in the PT Cruiser, here's your Mercedes car. You were still going places. You were still able to get from point A to point B. You could take it out of town. But sometimes your vehicle caused you to be stranded. The Audi, I mean not the Audi, the, the Hyundai caused you to be stranded sometimes. The PT Cruiser, sometimes the water pump would go out. Sometimes the alternator would fail. But there was nothing wrong. At least you knew that it could get you to A and B. But sometimes you had to put some time and money into it and keep on driving it. Same thing with the Hyundai. But the problem is with the Hyundai, the Hyundai always had problems. But when it was fixed, it ran for the most part. But it ran into problems because of quality inspection processes. But now a greater one is now added to you. You, They didn't say, give me the Hyundai. Here's your Audi. Give me the PT Cruiser. Here's your Mercedes. This is, you can keep both of your cars. And let me add this Audi to your Hyundai. And let me add this Mercedes to your PT Cruiser. Our job as Christian, as faith-based people, is to add to people, not take away from them. And if you're so worried about taking away from folk before you add, so basically when you take away from folk, you leave them naked and exposed. And the only person who's supposed to leave people naked and exposed, that's God. And if you're leaving people naked and exposed without protection, you are doing God a disservice. Our job is to, uh, to help people, is to enhance them, to add to them, to build them, to encourage them, to love them, to help direct them. That's it. And let God do the rest. It takes a lot. To be truthful and say, hey, you know, I've got some issues. I got some annual reports. I got volumes. I got books, chapters and verses. It takes a lot to admit that, hey, I'm struggling. It takes a lot to admit that, hey, my faith is wavering. This is an adverse economy right now. I get it. I'm with you. Very adverse economy right now, and let me throw some points some some things that will that cause us to be a little wavering. <clears throat> First one's worldly jealousy, worldly jealousy. that means we're jealous of what other people have, and we shouldn't be. We should be content with what we have not not to say that hey uh, I'm content. I'm good with being poor. That's that's not what I'm saying. I'm good being homeless. I'm I'm good walking around with one shoe on. That's not what I'm talking about. Content means I don't have to be like everybody else. I'm not, you know, yeah, maybe I might hey, that's a nice car, man. I would like to have something like that one day. But I'm not coveting that like I'm gonna die, and I'm gonna do all these different things to have it, and because that's the only thing that matters. That's not what I'm, you know. We're not saying that. It's just, it's like you're content. I mean, if I get it, great. If not, great. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Impatience, impatience will cause us, um, you know, because we're living in a microwave uh, generation. It's a microwave society. Matter of fact, everything is like right now. I go on Google Google search right now, Siri, right now, Alexa. Right now, Google right now. So you're dealing with a lot of people who wants the um, their success right now. They're not willing to go through the process. And there is a process to going from better to better. There's a process. And one of the things that will keep us back from better the better is not drawing near to God. We gotta draw near. I don't know what what your prayer life is, I don't know what your relationship is, but it's about relationship. See, many people mistake being religious for relationship. And religious because truthfully, I don't care if you're listening, you're saying you're an atheist, you're religious. OK, am to prove my point. You religiously have your alarm set for a certain time every morning or night. There's a certain thing that you do when you get up in the morning, whether it's you go first to brush your teeth, maybe you go to the bathroom, maybe you wash your face or you get uh, or you get in the shower or whatever. There's certain things that you do and we can pretty much set our clock by you. You go to your job on a certain day, either every Thursday, every Friday, or whatever that is, and you religiously expect that check, that payment to drop in your account or you're picking it up on that day. Religious has nothing to do with God. God has everything to do with relationship. And I'm going to prove my point. It's one thing for me to tell you what my name is or the clothes I like to wear. But it's only through relationship and sitting down with me and breaking bread that you begin to know me personally. My uprisings, my downsettings, my failures, my successes. It's only sitting down through communion and communication. Do you know my wife's name or my child's name, my grandparents name or um, my favorite food, the type of food I like to eat? My favorite drink? It's only through relationship that I get to know you personally and on an intimate basis. So it's not about religion. It's about relationship it's not how many times whether how many times on Sunday you go to mass or service it's not how many times whether how you go to bible study or a youth service or this that and the other it's your relationship how how often do you have that relationship with the lord Your personal relationship, not your pastors, not the missionary, not the evangelist, not the minister, your personal relationship. And it's only through relationship can we draw near to God and we will establish that relationship when we draw near. It's relationship. And too many times we. We. Teach and preach religion when it's not about religion. It's relationship. I personally don't care what church that you go to. It's about relationship because I know there are so many people who go to different places of worship that have different names on the door. And uh, what's on the door is not what's being taught. Relationship And we must We must Work on our relationship Because once we Work on our relationship You will find that We have a hope You know that through your relationship You have a hope You have a hope if 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 I know you and we have a relationship and I see you every now and then but you but you're you're constantly calling and you're texting me and we're we're um emailing back and forth and we're, we're talking on the phone and we're Facebooking each other Instagram each other and stuff like that and you're coming over that's a relationship you know what man and, and uh yeah you know because I have a relationship with Sean I know good and well that If something ever happened to me, I know he's got my back. That's relationship. But when you don't have a relationship, you can't expect something to happen that you're not even relatable to. Through relationship, my children that have my name have a promise. Without my name, they don't. Because of the relationship. You, Johnny, who's listening, let's say your last name is Blevins, You're Mr. Blevins. So Mr. Blevins, you have children, uh, you have three children, and they're all their last name is Blevins. If something happens to you, whatever you've left behind, Goes to those whose last name is Blevins Unless you wrote out a will Stating that it can, that a portion of what you've left behind Can go to somebody else Other than that last name I can't come in with, without the last name And say hey I talked to him maybe once a year or We were a Facebook friend I want a portion of his will. Sorry, not going to happen. Because I don't have the name. I'm not a Blevins. If we want a part of the promise, got to take on the name. Christ Jesus is that name. but it's only through relationship will you'll know that. Relationship is very important. Relationship is important in faith. It's important in your work ethic. It's important on your job. It's important at home. It's important in your community. Relationship is important and it's through also relationship that we can strengthen our faith. Mm -hmm. It's hard to have faith without relationship. I can't trust you if I don't know you. (laughs) I don't know what you drive like. I don't know how you clean your house. I don't know if you wash your hands after you come out the bathroom. But if I have a relationship with you, I know about your cleanliness. I know about your driving habits. I know it makes you mad and upset, but I know it makes you happy through relationship. Time for me to go. Stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you. Please like, subscribe, give us a review. I'm dealing with a gmail.com And we out